Just how much does Seabus Nikosius elevate the Bearcats men's basketball program? Are we talking about getting back to the big dance, perhaps? Our Locked On Bearcats, your daily podcast on the Cincinnati Bearcats. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In Spanish, they refer to this day as Cinco de Mayo. If you translate that to English, it is May the 5th and Friday, May the 5th at that. Thank you so much for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen of every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including on YouTube. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button and follow us to get an alert every time we drop a new episode. My name is Alex Frank, your host each and every day. We are now 120 days away. From the Bearcats season opener against Eastern Kentucky Saturday, September 2nd at historic Nippert Stadium against Eastern Kentucky. If I said that twice, well, just wanted to make sure you knew who the Bearcats were playing in their season opener. Today, it is Friday, and I am joined by my colleague at All Bearcats and Sports Illustrated, Russ Heltman. Russ, are are you a, a Mexican food kind of guy, being that it is Cinco de Mayo? Are you a Mexican food guy? Oh, yeah. Love tacos, burritos, whole nine yards. Love it all. Are, are you going to indulge in Mexican food somewhere today? I don't think so. We're, uh, fiance and I are trying to do a nice nice diet, trying to stay healthy out here, trying to live to 9,500 years old. So I'm, I'm probably going to skip the skip the wow. heavy Mexican tonight, but I'm sure I'll eat a heavy Mexican meal sometime in the next couple of weeks. Right. I don't really – I mean, Cinco de Mayo has never really been that big a deal to me. If it's not celebrated by the Mexicans, what? then I don't really know why we should celebrate it here. But that's okay, just so, – it just okay, feels like okay. another way for the beer companies to sell wow. sell beer. That's what it feels wow. like. Wow. So I guess no margaritas then either tonight. Probably not. Probably not. Probably not. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. So let's get to the big news that has broken since you and I last talked on Lockdown Bearcats. And that is Seamus Lukosius committing to Cincinnati transfer from Butler. And the question I want to ask you, and I've asked this to Neil Meyer, the front office news on earlier this week, and I kind of gave my two cents insight analysis on the show. Excuse me. How much does he elevate the program, Russ? I think he's kind of the connector for the expectations of an NCAA tournament berth in 2023-24, or at least down to the wire, final week, selection Sunday. Bearcat fans are on their the edge of their seats waiting to see if their bubble team gets moved off the bubble and into the NCAA tournament. I think that should be the expectation now when you look at the fully-fledged roster right now, which could be getting some tweaks if one certain Aziz Bandago, who was a late entry into the transfer portal, decides he wants to go to UC, they're going to figure out a way to get him on that roster. They'll pink slip somebody. Somebody's going to be booted out the door. That's just the way it rolls in high major college basketball these days. It's basically professional sports. It's basically free agency, and they will make that move. If Aziz Bandago wants to be a Bearcat, he will become a Bearcat, and it will raise the ceiling of this team even further because I think defensively, is the the defense is the major question mark you're going to have around this team right now. And I think Wes Miller being a defensive minded coach is going to have to really lean into that defensive mindset in the practice gym throughout the next 12 months or so with this 23, 24 squad. But Lukosius is a connector. And with the addition of Lukosius, I think this is a team that has the requisite depth 
top-end talent, coaching acumen to enter the Big 12 in year one and hover around 500 in conference. And if you're hovering around 500 in conference, you're probably going to be around 18 to 21 wins. And if you're around 18 to 21 wins as a Big 12 team, you're going to be firmly right there with your tournament fate decided on Selection Sunday, as opposed to this past couple seasons where entering March, there was zero chance the Bearcats were making the NCAA tournament as an at-large team. Yeah, uh, a great in, a great insight to that as always. You kind of cut out there at the first part of your answer to mine. You, you started like it sets the – were you saying it sets the expectations for this team to be right there come March, Russ? Is that where you're right. getting? The expectation case? now okay. is definitively be a bubble All team. Right. Be okay. one of those last four teams out, last four teams in. If you're not on that – I think I think if you're not on that portion of the, of the college basketball hierarchy at the end of the season, it's going to be a big disappointment given – the amount of talent and the roster churn that has gone on over the past couple of years, it's exactly what you want to see out of Wes Miller coming into a program with, what, three or four scholarship players still left on it to two years later being right there as, in my eyes, a bubble team going into the toughest conference in the country that just added the best transfer in the nation in Hunter Dickinson choosing yeah. Kansas this week. Boy, how about that? And and for those of you wondering, that news broke yesterday that, Russ, you're referring to Hunter Dickinson from Michigan. He's been around a long time, and now he just committed to a team who had the most quad one wins last year in college basketball, and that is the Kansas Jayhawks. Now, Russ, I, I want to ask you this. When it comes to Lukosius, when it comes to this Bearcats team, do you think that this team is going to have players who can do more than just one thing really well? Like, in other words, do you think this team is going to be more versatile next year with this addition? I do. I do. Last The last couple iterations of West Miller teams for UC have been a little static. They've had kind of defined things that each individual player could do really well at a high major college basketball level, but not a full kind of package. This time around, I think there's more full packages on the roster and those kind of really great, for example, Day-Day Thomas, great downhill attacker of the basketball hoop, really good at getting to the rim, a decent distributor as well, not a great shooter. You supplement him with C.J. Frederick and, si- and Seamus Lukosius on the wings, you're going to get a great result there. So to me, this the roster construction just fits way better when I look at this group of 13 to 15 guys as opposed to last year's group of 13 to 15 guys. And, of, of course, uh, the the tough uh, the tough opening season for, for Wes Miller in this program. So to me, I think Seamus Lukosius, as I said, he's a connector. He can do so many different things on the floor – requisite size can guard i would say he's not going to be guarding many fives for you but one to four can get up and down the floor really well can distribute the ball well average nearly three assists per game on a bad offensive butler team last year so i think with even more shooting talent even more downhill rim talent he could get that up to near four assists per game and really just you i mean you could have alex in in this wide open motion offense system that does not run a lot of pick and roll that does not have a kind of heliocentric type of player aspect of it in West Miller's system, you could see three, four guys average two or three assists per game and really start to ping this ball around the floor and run the type of offense that West Miller envisioned when he first got here. Defensively, I unless Aziz Bandago or another one of these game-changing rim presences still out there in the portal ends up picking the Bearcats, I think it's going to be an issue because Victor Locken, yeah, he can give you that presence at points, but can he stay on the floor for a full rim presence, rim defender, 1A type 
building the defense around you type of player for a full 30 games. We haven't seen that yet. Jamil Reynolds, another similar case. Decent defender, but can you build a defense around him? I'm not quite sure about that. So offensively, good to go. A-OK. I think this should be right up there with a big 12 caliber offense. Defensively is where I think a lot of the work's going to have to come this summer in the gym, in the fall, going into the, the preseason and then obviously in the non-conference, working out those defensive kinks, getting on the same page is going to be massively, massively crucial. And as long as you don't lose too many of those games you're not supposed to lose in the non-conference because of those defensive issues, then you're going to be set up with a defense coming together, gelling together once the calendar turns, heading into Big 12 play. And you can maybe make some noise, hover around 500. You should be able to get on that bubble and be firmly on it through Selection Sunday. We know this Bearcats team was really good last year offensively, one of the top teams in the conference that should carry over to the Big 12 next year. And hopefully the defense, as you mentioned, Russ, does the same thing. So I got one more question for you about Lukosius, and it can also be applied applied to C.J. Frederick. We'll do that after I explain to you how this episode of Lockdown Bearcats is brought to you by Built Bar. Looking for a delicious snack but don't want all of the sugar and calories? then you need the best tasting protein bar ever built. you got to try this. If you're like me and you want to make healthier snack choices, but you don't want to compromise on taste, I've got just the thing for you. Built Bars and Built Puffs. Built Bars are healthy and taste amazing. Seriously, they're so amazing. They taste so amazing. You won't think they're good for you. you got to try this. Now, what makes Built Bars so good? Well, for starters, they're all covered in 100% real dark chocolate. That's right, real chocolate and they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and cookies and cream. I'm not sure how Built does it, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. What's even better is that they are healthy. Only 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now, you don't need a wait to get a box. For years, we've been talking about ordering Built Bars at Built.com, but now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club while you can still get your specialty flavors still at Built.com. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today, walk to the pharmacy section, and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream bar, double chocolate bar, or coconut puff. If you're close to Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13-bar box that are hit flavors, brownie batter, puff, and churro puff. You can thank me later. Thanks for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen every day. Everyday listeners back on Monday, Zach Freeze from the Freeze Frame Podcast and PFF. Will join me. He was supposed to join me yesterday. Scheduling conflict arose. That's okay. But he'll be back with me Monday right here on Lockdown Bearcats. Russ, normally I do this at the end of the show, but because we're on the topic of basketball, I want to take a minute and wish a happy birthday to DeMar Johnson, Russ. Happy birthday yeah. to DeMar Johnson. When did DeMar play? What, 2000s, right? Yeah, 2000s? The, 99, the 99 through 2000 season where DeMar Johnson is only season, Russ, is only season with the Bearcats. He was the Conference USA Rookie of the Year. He made All-Conference USA and made, of course, the All-Conference USA freshman team before becoming the sixth overall pick in the NBA draft by the Atlanta Hawks, where he played for two seasons before playing for the Knicks, Nuggets, and Spurs in his eight-year NBA career. Not bad, Russ. And, of course, as far as... Has anybody now, been drafted higher than DeMar Johnson since then? Because Kmart was before Johnson, a year before, right? Kenya Martin, Martin would have been. Or 2001. I can't remember. Kenya, I get all Kenya those. Martin would have been the same year. Kenya Martin would have been the same year. 
Okay, obviously. So, obviously, yeah, obviously no yeah. one's been drafted so, higher than Kenyon Martin since 2000. Yeah. Uh, so. I mean, obviously, no, Bearcat's gone number one overall since. You've had some first-round picks most yeah, recently. speaking of that, it's a great, great piggyback for Landers Nolly because we have some news on him. Worked out with the Dallas Mavericks, the Boston Celtics over the past couple of weeks. He's working out with the uh, Charlotte Hornets, according to Jake Weingarten of Stock Risers. On, I'm uh, sure as, you like it. It might be happening as, as we're doing the show right now on Friday. So, Good to see Landers Nolly getting some interest around the NBA and would be really cool if he could get selected in the top 60 overall picks, maybe sneak into that second round. The Bearcats have not had a draft pick since Jacob Evans back in 2018. I was just going to say that that was the last Bearcats first round pick. And as you say, the last Bearcats overall pick. So yeah. I'm sure you, I'm sure you like, the, I'm sure you like being a former uh, Charlotte resident that uh, Landers Nolly could be headed there. If, I'm a huge Hornets fan, sadly. They're an absolute disgrace of a basketball team. But if Landers Dolly became a Charlotte Hornet, whew, I'd have to start watching some of the G League games because that would be a lot of fun. I have to check it out. I, I expect you to wear his jersey on this show whenever you're on. Landers Nolly in that teal, that teal jersey. Ooh, I would definitely, I would, I will be buying a Landers Nolly jersey if the if the Hornets yeah. draft him. That is a fact. I will, I will All claim right. that right now. Yeah, we kind of, yeah, another going on a little three minutes, so. Uh, tangent there with Russ. Uh, so let me ask you this. So do you take any stock in that Lukosius has played in the Big East? Frederick has played in the Big Ten. Now they're coming to the Bearcats and they're going to the Big 12. Do you? Is, does that experience matter? And if so, how much does it matter, Russ? I think it matters a, a decent amount. It's going to give them, obviously, in those first few kind of road trips, those first few kind of power five experiences on the road, going into hostile environments. You have some hostile environments here and there in the AC, but nothing like you're going to see in the big 12 night to night on like a big Tuesday tipping off at uh, 9 PM Cincinnati time in front of the, in front of Allen field house packed house over there in, in, uh, in Kansas. So yeah, and stuff like that, you just can't really prepare for, but when you already have those guys in the starting lineup projected, obviously CJ Frederick, Seamus Lukosius projected to be starters this year, then you don't have to worry about their makeup. You can kind of worry about getting Day Day Thomas, uh, Kilgore College, junior college guy, a little bit more ready to face those environments if you're Wes Miller and all that kind of stuff. So I think that definitely plays a factor. And the fact that you get two power six transfers to pick UC over – I don't have this confirmed for sure, but I would imagine some higher offers on the NIL market across the country and some similar schools, similar power levels, similar relevance in terms of like, for example, Lukosius, he picked UC over BYU and um, I forget the, the other big 12 school, but he picked UC over two big 12 schools. And maybe he, maybe he had a bigger offer from those schools, but the, role that that Wes Miller laid out, the way Les Miller pitched his plan, the way Wes Miller has just been able to connect with guys in the portal over this 14-month sample size that we've been able to see from him outside of that opening year, which you're not going to really uh, put any stock into that with what he was going into. It's very impressive. It's impressive that he's been able to land these guys amongst a sea of great, great opportunities and great, great offers in this whirlwind transfer cycle. He's been, the Bearcats have been able to get, in my eyes, they have, I don't think they've missed out on, outside of Estrada, any of the transfers that they've gone after uh, really hard. So that's a pretty good hit rate. You would have liked yeah. to see Estrada come in. You would have, In my eyes, 
like they would be a contender for a top half of the Big 12 team, like like a, a pretty strong finish in the conference if it was Estrada and that C.J. Frederick spot. But hey, maybe Frederick stays healthy the whole year, shoots lights out like he did a couple years ago. That's all very possible. So to me, they've done a really great job in this transfer portal, and it's a tip of the cap to Wes Miller, and it's a it's a really great feather in his cap that you can say and have examples of going into next year's transfer portal. I'm able to lay out a pitch. I'm able to get these guys into Cincinnati as opposed to letting them go to one of the other 20 to 25 high level, high brand awareness type of college basketball programs. Yeah. And that's the point that you've brought up repeatedly on this show. It's, it's Wes Miller's able to sell this program. And I think now that they're in the big 12, you can sell it even more because I mean, you, you think about Wes Miller as a head coach, and most people, Russ, I said it earlier this week, I was at a UC alumni event this weekend up here in Columbus, and I asked people what they think about Wes Miller and, and Scott Satterfield, which we'll get to football here in just a few minutes. And I say to them that, and they say to me, well, I don't know much about them. Well, Wes Miller, look, he maybe hasn't had success on the court as we would have liked for him to have just yet. But man, you look at what he's done in recruiting and the transfer portal for a guy who prior to Cincinnati spent two years at UNC Greensboro, which, you know, most casual college basketball fans probably don't really know much about that school, but you come to Cincinnati and you know, you come right before the Bearcats get into the big 12, you're going to the big 12 next year. It's really amazing what he's been able to do in resurrecting a program that really was at one of its lowest points in program history. No doubt. And you know, it, it probably doesn't hurt to have that little jump man logo on your hat, on your yeah. shirt on your legs, on your yeah. shoes, when you're going into those family rooms, when you're going into those meeting rooms with transfers. And I'm, I'm surprised and it, it's, I'm, I'm guessing we'll be getting news on that front any day now with, uh, with the kind of just the worst kept secret in, in Cincinnati sports uh, in Cincinnati sports world right now, which is the fact that Nike and Jordan are seemingly at the finish line, nearing the goal line of a deal with UC. Nothing confirmed officially yet, but we saw the picture of Wes Miller with Jeremiah Davenport after they after JD graduated this past, I think it might have been this weekend or last weekend, him wearing the head-to-toe Jordan stuff. It's just it, the writing's on the wall, and that obviously can't hurt when you jump from an Under Armour brand that is just kind of flailing in the wind right now, has no real direction to the premier basketball brand in the world, Nike and Jordan. Now, would that be would that come back this year, or would they be able to wear if, it this year? Yeah, I believe so. I I'll look up my I'm, I I wrote an article in it that has the confirm whether or not they can use okay. it this year, but I'll be able to tell you. I'll I'll I'll, let, I'll tell you on the show. Let me look it up real quick. Yeah, check that out. Um, check that out. Russ Hellman, All Bearcats, and Sports Illustrated. I so where is this so. I, I, I said this on my Twitter yesterday. I, I forgot to mention it on the show yesterday, but when you're having technology issues, sometimes things just fly out the window. So 13 days from now for all my central Ohioans out there, the Bearcats ready from day one tour is coming to Columbus. Bearcats head coaches, Scott Satterfield, Wes Miller, and Katrina Merriweather will all be here, led, of course, by the voice of the Bearcats, Dan Ford, in a Q&A for fans. And that, I got to look that look up where that is, Russ, because I am planning on attending that. I actually have the day off that day. So that is 
May the 18th. Yeah, May the 18th at the Brewdog Dog Tap in Columbus. Day one tour, road to the Big 12. Yep. How about that? Yeah, it's going to be really cool. Excited for all the Ohio fans to be able to come check this out. You can, they got one in Cleveland the day before as well. Great Lakes Brewing Company, 6 p.m. on May 17th. Yep. And then June 6th at River Roast in Chicago. So the Chicago Bearcats fans can check out all that stuff. Uh, UC coaches going to all the events. Should be really cool. Wes Miller, Scott Satterfield, uh, members of the athletics department, all uh, all going to try to be at all those events. So it should be really cool. And then to answer the question, Alex, Cincinnati under contract to wear Under Armour through 2024. The school can get out of that product supply deal and sign with another brand this year if it gives Under Armour 30 days written notice. So, yeah, if they sign, they ink a deal with okay. uh, a new apparel company this year, it seems to me by the letter of the language, the contract there, that as long as they give them yeah. a month's notice, they can rock that starting this year. 30-day notice. Now would, that, now, would there be a buyout penalty? Do you know anything about that? Or I'm not sure about the buyout. I think okay. the buyout's already occurred because they have they 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 worked with Under Armour to get out of the deal earlier, so they already bought out of it in terms of having the confirmed deadline of getting out of Under Armour, wearing it completely of next year. But obviously, right. it seems like they want to get out of wearing Under Armour a little bit faster than 2020. Yeah. So this isn't where you have to, you know, pay $27 million or so to the American Athletic Conference because you're trying to get to the Big 12 earlier. Okay. No. Yeah, they, oh, they've, the, the, the money's already changed hands in terms of getting out of the deal. With okay, them. interesting. Very interesting. All right, good stuff. Good stuff. See, Russ, I, this is why. So before we came on, I asked I asked you, Russ, for, for our listeners listening to this, whether you're listening or watching, I, I asked you, what do our fans care about like what's what's the hits right now? What are the hits right now? What should we leave with? And you said basketball, and I said okay. I think the and people are loving the basketball news right now. They are, and it's obviously coming off of it's just a kind of a little bit of a dead time for uh, for college football. Yeah. Although the, the it's great for us, Alex, because the transfer portal, the addition of that since twenty twenty, there is a lot less dead time in April and May as there used to be in college yeah. sports. I credit every college host on this channel who was who hosted shows. Dur- before the transfer portal and during the 2020 spring. Yeah. I real. look, I, yeah, I, <laughs> I thought th- these past two years since I started here, Russ were hard. I, I, and look, actually, you know, I've started to, to find the fun and coming up with content, like getting fun, getting creative with it. Yeah. You know, having guests on like you, Neil, Zach, and whomever else I have on. I mean, you know, look, we love the season. But this is still a fun time because it's the anticipation. Yes, yeah, the projection, all that stuff. It's fun. Projections, projections. All right. Speaking of projections, this guy was a projected fourth round draft pick. Russ, he went undrafted. We'll get into that since and, and Russ, we I haven't talked to you since, but uh, I think our fans know where we're getting here. We'll get into that. So, Russ, let me ask you the sixty-four million dollar question. How shocked were you that Ivan Pace Jr. went undrafted? I was a little shocked that he went undrafted. I thought he would at least get picked up in the seventh round, one of those teams that wants to get a priority special teams talent, wants to be able to control that contract. Usually usually seventh round pick options are not the best choice. They're not the top choices for the prospects themselves because they don't get the pick where they play. And sometimes they can sign seventh round pick slot deals that are a little bit less money than they would make 
as a sought after on the market free agent. So I, I thought he would really, I really thought he would get picked up in the sixth or seventh round. I didn't think he would be, I really was skeptical he would be a fourth round or fifth round pick, just given the size you get, you just get taken off the board by a lot of NFL teams at his size, less than five foot 11, um, undersized weight wise. But the Vikings, I think, are going to be big winners out of that, though, Alex. Because to me, I would I would be shocked on the flip side now if he doesn't make the Vikings roster, at least as a pro- not the roster, but at least sticks on the practice squad with his determination, his fight, his ability to tackle, his ability to go 110 miles per hour as a special teamer. If you ask that of him, so I I do think Ivan Pace will stick around in the NFL despite being one of those talents that goes undrafted. And hey, there's. I forget what there's a crazy amount of crazy percentage of NFL starters every single year for all 32 teams that are undrafted guys. So Ivan Pace, I think, has as good a chance of any of those uh, types of talents to be able to work out that yeah. kind of role for himself. Well, I that you know, as surprising as that is, I also think because you only have 32 first round picks every year, and most teams generally only have one first round pick. Typically, teams could have more picks in the later rounds. So, it, you know, it is surprising to think that because most most of the players that you and I know are first-round picks. But then again, some of the key players, <clears throat> Brock Purdy, <clears throat> Sky Moore, they are later-round picks. So, I, it is surprising. Now, I was shocked that Ivan Pace Jr. went undrafted from this perspective. He was a unanimous All-American. They just don't care about that, I guess. It's another example. They don't care about no, your accolades. I mean, how can you not care about that, though? Because it, because it, it's just, it, it's the size and weight. There's, there are thresholds that work in the NFL percentage wise. Ninety nine percent of players meet this size and weight threshold. Yada yada yada, and just he didn't hit them. He did not hit those thresholds, and he didn't. To me, he didn't test yeah. off the charts enough to be able to completely forego those issues. And you know what, Alex, like it's the same kind of thing. I mean, he, he was a hometown hero. He had to spend three years at Miami just for the UC coaches to be able to give him a second look and get it and give him a shot to come back to Cincinnati and play for the Bearcats. So it's just, it's just, it's perplexing, but it's not perplexing. You know what I mean? It's like, I can totally see why the sport is the way it is. It's, it's big. Big dude, fast dude, usually means good dude in football. And Ivan Pace is fast, but he's not big. And that has, has really yeah. hurt his, I would say, on, on top of anything, earning potential in his football career. But it has not hurt his ability to make an impact on the field. And we'll have to see at the final level of the football period if he can keep making sure that rings true. Let's see Russ Heldman here. I mean, Yeah. Keeping it real, like you always do. And, and look, that is a good point there that you bring up. Of course, you give me your Kobe Bryant wink, RIP. But, or I should say, God rest his soul. But Love you, what's interesting, Russ, to me is that he did – he had 137 tackles last year. I know. Like he, did. he was a unanim- unanimous All-American. And if you read Dane Brugler's profile on him and his, and his draft guide, The Beast, he loved him. which he projected him as a fourth-round pick, I mean, he described his on-field play as violent. Yeah. I mean, if I'm reading that, I'm picking him up like that. Now, if he was the good news is 250, 
he would have been a first round pick with that type of production. Of course, of course he would have. Yep. Of course he would have. I mean, he, he he's that good of a linebacker. And I'm really interested in seeing, like, you go undrafted, he's going to play with an even bigger motor now, wouldn't you think? I would think so. And that's why I said the Vikings, we might look back and that, and Ivan Pace Jr. And now I'm not, this is a bold take, this is a bold prediction here, but you could look back and Ivan Pace Jr. is the best decision the Vikings made after the second round, the third round in the entire NFL draft cycle. You could, you could, we could look back on that three years from now, and it's a possibility that that's true. Because I think yeah. Ivan Pace, it does not like it. For example, it does not matter where you get drafted. If you get drafted in the fifth round, you you basically, in my eyes, you really have the same amount of chances of getting onto a football team as a fifth round pick as you do of Ivan Pace Jr., who was one of the first priority free agents getting calls on Saturday night. So it's about what you do in rookie minicamp moving forward, what you do in ma- major minicamp moving forward, what you do in training camp moving forward, and especially what you put on tape in those preseason yeah. games, which unfortunately for Ivan and the rest of the Bearcats contingent who are undrafted free agents, one less preseason game for them to showcase their skills. Russ, you know who the Vikings play this year? Do they play the Bengals? They do. In Cincinnati. Oh, there you go. Maybe a little Ivan Pace that reunion. Is... Maybe he's starting. By yes. Now. We'll see what that's that falls on the calendar next week when the NFL yeah. comes out. With that's the bonus game. That's the bonus game this year. Because both the Bengals and Vikings won their divisions last year, and the Bengals and the AFC gets the extra home game this year. That's an ideal so, team for the Bengals to, to pull out of all the division champions of the NFC. Yeah, I know for sure. <laughs> really, in, yeah. So, I mean, Ivan Pace comes back to Cincinnati. Irv Smith goes up against his former team, or is it? Well, yeah. So, um, so let me ask you this: I, I there were Bearcat fans I'm talking to this weekend about Scott Satterfield. And again, I mentioned this earlier, they go, well, I don't know much about him. And so that, and I said, okay, and this is the boat that I'm in. I need to see him coach because you can tell me all about it. Louisville fans can tell me, they can tell you all about it. We can look at what he accomplished at Louisville. Russ, until I see him coach a game, until I see him coach a season, I'm not going to judge him. I'm not going to conclusively conclude anything are you in that same boat oh yeah especially with the fact that just seeing how he operates his program seeing how he treats people day to day like i'm i'm willing to give the satterfield regime uh, the benefit of doubt for sure going into honestly going into year two and coming off a of year two like unless they win two games this year alex or three games this year and it's an unmitigated disaster and it looks horrible and it's just unorganized you got people Leaving the pro, like it would have to be rock bottom bad for me to be completely out yeah. on Scott Satterfield after just one year because it's it's so hard in today's college football climate to be able to replace the greatest coach on a program in their history on top of take that team to a Power Five conference in the same kind of three four five month span. So just like with Wes Miller and the situation he ran into his first year, his first couple seasons definitely willing to give Scott Satterfield the benefit of the doubt and we'll see what happens over the next few weeks. They added uh, a transfer talent out of the portal a couple days ago and Braden Smith, not necessarily a guy that is going to inspire a lot of season ticket, (laughs) season ticket buying or anything like that, but it's just where they're at right now. They're just trying to fill the program with bodies. If you look at recruiting roundups I've been posting lately, they're hunting. In those five-star waters, they're hunting 
in those high two four star waters. Uh, yeah. And they're hunting for not just the best recruit in the 24-7 sports era one time. They're looking to do that two, three times a cycle over the next couple cycles as they've entrenched themselves in the Big 12. It's all going to start with that recruiting. And I've liked what I've seen early on in the recruiting process. This is the highest ranked class on 24-7 sports by average star number ranking. Currently, when you look at all the commits they have going to 2024, so that's a great sign. Brick by brick, day by day, it's slowly getting built up. It's hard to see the progress, I think, when you look at it one day at a time, two days at a time, three days at a time. But from where we were in December to where we are now, I would say it's it, yeah. it's slowly but surely getting to that point where they should be a competent, basic, decent football team in 2023. And then 2024, hopefully year one of the Brady Drogosh era, you have some real expectations of eight, nine, ten wins and starting to really build the program up into a Big 12 contender. I totally agree. And if there's one thing we know about Scott Satterfield is that he is a great recruiter. Yeah. Yeah, he's a very good recruiter. He's a, he's a solid, yeah. solid, higher solid staff throughout his career. It's just over the past few years at Louisville, the record is what it is, 25 and 24. A lot of external factors playing into that. I'm sure Scott will tell you internal factors, issues that he had, mistakes he made playing into that. Yeah. Slate wiped clean now. No excuses now. No COVID to deal with now. It's just a defined transfer portal, the defined recruiting season that you've been used to for a while. And bing, bang, boom, let's get this puppy lit up. Nip at night, coming your way in a few months' time. It's going to be here soon. Yeah, I, I, I still think nip at night better be for the Oklahoma game. I mean, first sweet. Big 12. It'd be first. nice if they could do two in one season, but didn't get that last year. Have they, ever done, have they ever done two in one season? I think they have. I think, yeah, last year, I, th- I think they usually do two night games, and last year was the rare only one night game. I'm trying to think because I know they did in 2019. They played UCF at night, and then they played Temple at night. And UCLA was technically a night game, but it was August. So, I mean, the sun doesn't set till 9 o'clock in August, as we know. I, I'm trying to think if there was if there was another nip and night game. But yeah, I, I think you're right. I, I think they should play two games. I mean, if excuse me, the way I look at it is if Michigan can play multiple night games a year and they and they used to never play at night at the big house. I mean, right. I remember the first ever night game, and this is actually relates to Cincinnati, Russ. So I don't know if I've ever disclosed this to you. I grew up a Notre Dame fan. Mm. And the first ever night game at the Big House was Notre Dame-Michigan 2011, one of the all-time great games in that rivalry. Uh, Denard Shoelace Robinson with a game-winning touchdown with two seconds left. I forget who caught the pass. I'm trying to remember uh, who it was. I I, I can always Google that. But um, just throwing that out there. And what's interesting, Russ, that you said, that this program is not going to bottom out. Of course it's not. Because you know why? There's a strong foundation in place. And if there's one thing to bank on, it's that. Yeah. And like the defense alone, I mean, the defense is going to, in my eyes, at least get this team to four wins, at least get them to four wins, maybe five as a floor, just given what kind of talent they're bringing back. Uh, Brian Brown, I was listening to him on the Bearcat Journal pod with, uh, with Chad Brendel and David Simone. It was last week, I believe. And he was just saying like, just gushing about Dante Corleone, how great a fit he is, how much they're going to rely on that nose tackle position. 
to really work off of all the other levels of the defense. Really excited to see that and excited to see how the passing attack looks with Emory Jones kind of entrenched as the starter now. Ben Bryant picks Northwestern going back home to Illinois. Really happy for him. Great Big Ten opportunity for him to link up with Pat Fitzgerald out there. You see, um, in the meantime, adds Aaron Turner from UConn, slot wide receiver last week, right in the middle of the first round of the draft. Aaron Turner commits to the program. One of the top 120 receivers in the country last year. I think he could come in and be your slot starter right away and can be an impactful player. So we'll see. We shall see what happens with this offense. That's the biggest question mark on this football program. And that wide receiver spot, probably the biggest question mark within that offense, followed up by the offensive line, which we'll have to see how that fully fleshes out both those spots at Camp Higher Ground in August. Hard to believe we're less than three months away from that. 120 days away from the Bearcats season opener, 13 days away from the day one tour coming to Columbus. If you are looking to come to that, hope to see you there. Russ, maybe I'll see you up here on uh, May the 18th. You will not see me up in Columbus, but good luck and have fun for every all the Bearcats fans up there. <laughs> Dang, I was going to could have done a live show from there. Well, that's, that's all right. But, um, Russ, we'll talk to you again next week, I am sure, along with the usual suspects that we have on. At some of them, my former uh, English teacher used to say the usual suspects. So, um, so looking forward to Russ talking to you again next week, and uh, we'll, we'll uh, touch base then, all right? Yes, sir. It'll be a lot of fun. More Transfer Portal news, I'm sure, coming down the pipe. I'm sure as well. Russ Hellman's on Twitter, at Russ Hellman 11, my colleague at All Bearcats and Sports Illustrated. Best wishes to you, and... Uh, You enjoy your weekend, and we'll talk to you again next week. That is Russ Heltman, my colleague at All Bearcats and Sports Illustrated. Thank you for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen of every day. Back on Monday with Zach Freeze from the Freeze Frame Podcast and Pro Football Focus. And we'll have, of course, Russ Heltman sometime later next week. We'll try and get Neil Meyer from the front office news. We'll try and get Zach, or we already have Zach on Monday. We'll try and work in some other guests potentially and, uh, Looking forward to being back with all of you. So uh, I'm on Twitter, Frankie underscore Natty, two N's, N-N-A-T-I, Instagram, Alex Frank, Nat underscore, email, Alex3Frank at gmail.com. Have a great weekend. I'm back on Monday right here on Lockdown Bearcats, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.